0: Welcome if you have uh, joined us for the first time this morning or are new to joining us on Zoom on our Sunday morning services. Uh, once we all go back and God willing and we will um, then it would be great to meet you also face, face to face. But until then uh, we'll continue to do this faithfully to the Lord and faithfully keep serving the Lord as best as we can under these under these circumstances. As Tony mentioned this morning it's um it's uh, a beautiful day in the sense that we get an opportunity to acknowledge some people in our lives. On this day we have as Father's Day. It's a beautiful time to uh, remember uh, all our fathers and uh, to be prayerful. And I want to take a moment this morning to be praying for our, our fathers, especially in the church and those who are committed to doing God's will, committed to doing the things that the Lord has called them to do as as a father, I want to share a verse with you before I continue from Psalm 23 this morning. I want to share a verse with you. It's something that Jesus said uh, during His earthly ministry. As He was talking, uh, He made this. He made a reference to His own Father, and He says this in John 15, in the Gospel of John. He says, "As the Father has loved me, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, and abide in my love." And it's a really special reference, I think, to what the relationship he had with his own father. And what he wanted to highlight in this passage was something very significant. What he wanted to tell his disciples and what he wanted to tell ultimately the world is something about his father's love. He could have chosen many ways to describe his father. He could have have chosen many characteristics of his father. But in the in the ones that he did, in this particular one, he wanted people to know something about the amazing and awesome love of his own father. And he says to them, As the father has loved me, this is the love that I experience in my father, the way he constantly, continually, daily shows me and pours out his love. And if you look at the life of Jesus. There are going to be times in the life of the Jesus that you might scratch your head thinking, hang on, I don't really see the love of the Father in this circumstance, if you look at it from a natural perspective, from, a, from, a, from a, um, the natural eyes, you know. If you look at it, you think, well, I don't really see the, the love of the Father in this circumstance, you know. But what Jesus is saying is the Father has loved me, and he, he never doubted this, this love of the Father. He knew that through all these circumstances the Father loved him. He goes. I've experienced this love. I know this love. Uh, it's something that I I, I'm, I, I have ex- uh, daily experienced. He goes. Now I I love you with the same love. This is how I love you, by, by how He's loved me. And He wants us then to abide in this in this love. He wants us to abide. And I think this is something that we as Christians must always be reflecting on. We always must be reflecting on our our decision every day to love like the Father loved. And when we stray ever so slightly from this our, and the Spirit of God convicts us, we ought to be very diligent, very mindful and very committed to coming back to this love that the Father has for us, the, the, the way that we are to abide as Jesus asked us to abide in this same love. So just ask yourself a very simple question do i abide in this love do i abide in this same kind of love and that you would make this commitment to do this and so even as fathers as natural fathers may our children continue to see this love may that our children be able to say as my father has loved me so i love you you know may our children know somewhat of the similar principle of of experiencing daily the love of the father, not necessarily, um, you know, a, a kind of a smothering, feely, touchy type of love, though that's part of it. That is definitely part of it. Just everything that love involves, whether it's patience, whether it's kindness, whether it's gentleness, whether it's, you know, truthfulness, whether it's discipline, whatever it is, may they know daily everything rooted in the love of a father, you know, the love of a father. And may you brothers... Uh, be able to continually and daily do this because my prayer for you is that whatever you do, that God grants you grace to continue to be men who teach your children. Because there's a lot of um, a lot of lies that 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 go around in this world today, and a lot of things that will influence children away from truth. And may God grant you grace as you as you teach your children the right ways. Of the Lord. May God grant you grace as you daily become an example to them, as you live out Christ in everything that you do and say that you know you don't become someone who just falls into a pattern or to a routine of things because God forbid that we just become kind of a, a routine Christian and that we do the things that we do, you know, we pray before our meals or we pray before bed. And God forbid that we just become a routine and we think we have to do this because we're Christians and we're ticking boxes and if we tick all the right boxes, they're going to become Christians one day. You know, God forbid that we, we lose the beauty of trusting God rather than believing that the method of some sort is going to guarantee the, the safety and salvation of our, our children. So God grant you grace as you continue to be an example and you don't one day become some old grumpy man, you know, because you've lost the grace to, to, to love and, and to be an example to, to your children. God grant you grace that you continue to enjoy your children May you continue to find moments of joy with your children, no matter how old they are. May you continue to find the joy of of experiencing them and the life that God has granted you and has blessed you with, whether whether you're a dad to to become a dad or whether you've been a dad for many, many years and your children are older. May God grant you grace to continue to enjoy. May you never lose the, the beauty of enjoying Enjoying children, and may God grant you grace to continue to guide your children and guard them uh, in this world. Because uh, it's times where there are going to be times in your in your being a, a father. There's going to be times when you're going to feel like everything is in control, everything is going to plan. You're sitting on a mountain, and it's going so well. And perhaps that's God's grace to you, just to. to to renew your strength and to encourage you in the role that you have. But, boy, there are going to be times when you feel like nothing's in control. Everything's out of your hands. Everything's beyond you. Everything feels like it's falling in a heap. But even in those times, may God continue to grant you grace upon grace, upon grace to keep trusting him and to know that God never is out of control in those circumstances even. Just remain faithful to him. Continue to love him and continue to love them and and remain faithful in your walk, in your walk to the Lord. I pray this morning that uh, as you trust the Lord as fathers, as you trust the Lord, that uh, you're praying that your children come to know Jesus as their Lord and their Saviour, that you're praying because that's something you can pray for, but that also you're trusting God for whatever path they're choosing for their life because to some extent that's out of your control and you're not trying to control that. But what you're trusting is that whatever path they take, you're trusting them in the Lord's hands. But you're praying that they come to the Lord, that come and know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Saviour. And in a moment, we want to pray for for our fathers this morning and pray the Lord continues to encourage them and strengthen them And, children, that you would take a time to really honour and respect them, not just today. Today you can make it extra special, but other days as well, times to to really honour and to respect. And here's a big one for you, children, and you may not always get it now depending how old you are, but listen carefully. Never take them for granted. Never take them for granted. And, and allow them to to know of your love and your care through little things that you might do and little things that you might that you might say. This morning too, this this uh, um, I think sometimes it's well, I know some. It's very important for us as a church to be praying for our brothers and sisters, no matter what circumstances they're in. Uh, our fathers are one today, but also for those who suffer loss and who are grieving as well. And we know that. Uh, There are a lot of challenges during this COVID lockdown. We know that we continue, whether it's the challenges of the mind or even just the practical challenges of life. We, We know that we want to continue to look out for each other. Please, brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian, if you are a Christian, please look out for each other. Please care for one another. Please watch everything you say and post and allow it to be something that is going to build Let it build your brothers and sisters. Let it build. Let it be something that you be able to know that you lifted up your brother and your sister. Let me pray for us this morning, uh, and then we'll continue uh, with Psalm 23 and and particularly pray for our our fathers uh, this morning as well. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for your love and your care. Lord Jesus, you said, as the Father has loved me, so I love you, and we just thank you, Heavenly Father, for your wonderful love for us, your unfailing love toward us. Though we don't always perhaps feel it, Lord, or maybe even see it with the natural eye, we know we know by faith your love never changes. And we just thank you for this, and we pray this morning that every single person listening may know of your love and experience your love and walk in your love, Lord, that others may see it as well. Father, thanks for this morning an opportunity to come and and, and to to um, be in your word and pray that you would just guide us and lead us in everything that we say and do because you are good and you are faithful and we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, this morning um, I'd like to continue with uh, Psalm Psalm twenty three. If you were with us last week, uh, I was sharing with you how uh, this this psalm is a really Beautiful picture of one of the characteristics of God, and that is him being our shepherd. And, and the psalmist in Psalm 23 spoke about God as his shepherd and this beautiful uh, relationship. When we said, the Lord is my shepherd, this beautiful relationship. But we also spoke about how Jesus identifies himself in this way too in the New Testament, Now Jesus spoke of himself, you know, verses like this, I won't read them all again, but verses like this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. You know, it's like this, Jesus, I speak and they hear it. You know, I, I share something with them and they're listening, you know, because we know as Christians, we know there's really no other voice we're interested in, but the voice of Jesus Christ. You know, there's many there's many voices that come, many ideas and opinions that come, but all we're really interested in is in the voice of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has to say to us. And Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. How beautiful is that? Yeah, John 10. And uh, I give them eternal life and they'll never perish and no one's going to snatch them out of my hand. And here's this beautiful promise of the Lord Jesus Christ that he teaches us, that he leads us, uh, that he protects us, that he'll provide for us. There's so much in these verses. But the point I'm making is that the God of the Old Testament is always, or the God of the past is still the God of the present. God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. And our world changes and our governments change and our life circumstances change, but there is faith in believing. There is incredible peace and faith in believing that God does not change. And if you can look in the God of the scriptures and see the God that he is and realise that this is a God who remains the same, and this is a God that can be trusted in the same way, this is the God who, who can be depended on. And the Lord Jesus Christ wants uh, to remind us through his words that when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, it's almost like he's saying, here I am, here I am, the same God that David's praying to and the same God that we pray to today. And I ask you the same question I asked you last week, who are you trusting in? Because at the end of the day, you don't want to put your full trust in any man. Yes, we trust to some extent with our leaders, but we pull our full trust where peace comes from, in only God himself. And so we looked at this verse that the Lord is my shepherd and the first one was being relationship. And, how his, and David talks about how the Lord is his shepherd, he's my shepherd. It's almost like no one's going to take him away from me. He's my shepherd. And, of course, he understood it being a shepherd himself. He understood the intimacy of this relationship and the seriousness and the practicality of this relationship. And he declares the, 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 the God of heaven as being his shepherd. And I ask the question, is, is, if this is, if this is the relationship you have with God, are you doing everything it takes to build this relationship? everything it takes is someone else or something else getting in the way of this ultimate relationship in your life is your pursuit for something hindering somehow this relationship with the Lord because at the end of the day it's your decision I cannot make you love God I cannot make you follow Jesus I can't push you into a place where you need to commit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ that would be that would be like oppression. But what I can say, and I can encourage you to do, is by your own will, that you would come before Him in faith, and that you would believe with all your heart that there's no other relationship in this life that could ever, ever stand above this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, in our hearts and lives, we spend our 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 days doing what we can to make sure this is the most important relationship in our lives. From that, I believe. I believe from that every other relationship becomes incredibly blessed in truth and in love. We spoke also about provision. David says, I shall not want in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And a little bit about how this wasn't so much about what God is giving but about who God is and that we can have this confidence that the God of all creation He's able to give as it is needed. He's able to hold back as it is needed. But he's not holding back out of a lack of care, but he knows exactly daily what is required. As so the psalmist is able to say he's confident, wise, not so much in what he keeps getting, but who God is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then we just touched on this idea that he makes me, this idea that, you know, it's not something that, you know, oh, God made me. But God, he makes me. He goes out of his way to make it happen. And we spoke about the promises of God and how God's promises, God's promises are there for us. The scriptures are full of these promises. And I left you with a a bit of a suggestion or challenge that you would perhaps go and find the promise of God that relates to you, that you perhaps would memorize it or post it or or put it up on a wall or do something to keep it in eyesight or heart sight so that you would remember the promises of God. He makes me. He makes me. And perhaps during the week that you've done this and it's helped you or encouraged you in some ways. But what is he making you do, he says? If we keep looking at verse 23, he says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me besides the still waters. He makes me, verse 2, to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. And we've looked at words like relationship, the first one, provision, the next one, promise, the next one, and now this one here, the word peace, the word peace. He makes me green pastures, still waters. Now, it doesn't. you don't need to think long and hard imagine what David is talking about here. The idea of green pastures, I mean, for most people, if not for all people, this is quite a scene, quite a peaceful scene, a restful scene. Um, The idea of still waters, again, they're not rough and dangerous, but they're still and quiet, peaceful again. This idea that what is before him is uh, is a scene that is is to be um, loved and enjoyed. And he says, What God does is He's shepherd, He says, He makes me. He makes me in these areas to um, lie down in green pastures. And even the idea of lying down in green pastures, like the, the lushness of the pasture and it's green, and this idea that, you know, I'm resting in these green pastures. And this is what God is making him do and to lead him side still waters this is the shepherd of our souls this is the God who is promising to make us do this but I want you to think about something for a moment if God is making him go to these green pastures if God is making him to lie down in still waters I want you to think about something for a moment if God is making him do these things what is God taking him away from? What is God leading him away from? If David was already there, he wouldn't say he makes me lie down or he leads me to the still waters if David was already there. But because David, for whatever experiences in his life, wasn't there, he's saying God makes me get there. I find this interesting, brothers and sisters, because you may disagree with me and you're, you're very welcome to disagree with me, but I find this interesting because I think what David is trying to say here, what David's experience is, is that sometimes in life it's not like this. That sometimes in life this is not my experience. But what my confidence and my faith and my trust in God is, is that he will make me lie down in green pastures and he will lead me. Besides the still waters. Because without this hope, brothers and sisters, where is life? Where is faith? Where is trust? Where is God? Because I want to share with you another verse that David says, another song that David sung, Psalm 63. And I want you for yourself to compare them. Psalm 63. Oh, God, you are my God. Listen earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Do you understand? Look at David's experience because the psalmist is so raw and vulnerable. This is, this is all about life. And what the psalmist is saying here, you know, there was a time in my life. There's a time in my life where my flesh faints for you. It's dry. It's weary. There is no water. Listen. Does that mean we're off sinning and playing games with our sin? Not at all. That's not what the psalmist is saying. He's just saying that in his life, when he's in it's dry and it's weary. There's like no. It's like I'm thirsty. And the psalmist is speaking honestly. And maybe, maybe you've drifted and you've left the things of the Lord and you're in a place where you shouldn't be and it's completely dry and it's completely weary. Well, that's good for you. That's good. So you can generate a thirst that says, Lord, where am I? What am I doing here? Like the prodigal who found himself in the pits of the pigs, eating the pigs' food or wanting to eat the pigs' food, all of a sudden it occurred to him, what am I doing here? And, of course, the beautiful picture of the Father who's waiting for him, looking out for him as soon as he comes to his senses. You think the Father this morning is going to say to you, get out of here? But come. This is the Father's love. Come to him. But the psalmist, the psalmist is saying here, yes, this is my experience, but God, the God I know, the God I serve, the God I love, the God I live for makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me or he leads me to still waters. This is the God I know and I can trust in, but this experience in life, it's all that it is. It's an experience. And this season, if that's all that it is. It's a season. And if I put my trust and I put my faith and I put my hope in no one else and nothing else but the Lord Jesus Christ, then he will make me lie down in green pastures. He would lead me. Beside the still waters. It is just around the corner. It is coming. This is faith. I can't promise you when. I can't promise you how. I'm not even wise enough to tell you the way God's going to do it. But I know by faith it is there for you because God is your shepherd. And a shepherd doesn't leave his sheep in a dry and weary land for longer than they can handle. That's the shepherd. And if you put your trust in men, then you can't, you will never find rest like this. Because for man, all they're going to promise you is a little bit more water or a a few little green blades of grass. But God is your shepherd who leads you to lie down in to lie down in green pastures. You get this image of the when you are a child and you used to go to a park or something, and 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 you know I don't know if you've ever done this before. When you were a child, you used to there was a hill, you'd roll down the hill of the of the park. It was so much fun, you know, you're rolling down, just enjoying the grass and enjoying life because this is this is things that are enjoyable. But God Himself is the shepherd who leads us in this way. So, brothers and sisters, today, this morning, if if you are feeling like dry and a weary land, the number one, if it's not because of your sin, if it's number one, it's just this is your experience, then I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. It will pass. The Lord is your shepherd. It's a promise. He will take you there. He guarantees it. And allow his promises to hold you in this way. Allow his promises to carry you in this way. He says, uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Let me talk about the next one. So we have relationship, provision, promise, peace. Now we have, from verse 3, restoration. He says in verse 3, as, a, as if you like a sheep and his shepherd, he says, he restores my soul. Now, I don't think David would have understood this experience unless, sorry, I don't think David could have said this unless he experienced this. And he talks about the idea that God restores his soul. You know that part of us that really matters you know that part of us that we're really good at hiding, that part of us that we try to hide, that part of us that really shapes us, that really defines us, the part of us that actually that, that nobody can see but really it's who we really are. And sometimes the world says to you, you know, who you really are is something else. Who you really are is the job you do. Who you really are is the way you are. Who you really are is the looks of the, the way you look. Uh, and, how, and how less wrinkles you have, who you really are. This is, this is what the world will tell you. But what God says, what God says, what God's concerned with is the condition of your soul. And that's why the apostle in Corinthians says, though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And so he says here, he restores my soul. So this is an interesting one. This is an interesting one because I believe, brothers and sisters, and I want you to try and listen, through, listen to me and follow with me what I'm trying to say here. I believe that all of us, all of us came to faith, came to the Lord Jesus Christ with a damaged soul, a hurt soul of some kind. All of us definitely came with a fallen nature but we came with a damaged soul. And depending when we came to the Lord and depending what circumstances we've experienced along the way, that damage can be deeper than other people. So if you came to the Lord very young, perhaps, and you grew up in a reasonably functional family, then that damage of that soul is going to be uh, less impacting, if you like, than if you came to the Lord when you are older and and lived in circumstances that were incredibly dysfunctional. But regardless of your circumstance, just for a moment, sit with me. Regardless of the circumstances, we all came to faith with a damaged soul. And what the psalmist says here is he restores my soul. Now, we came to faith uh, with a damaged soul, and I don't want to oversimplify this because it's a lot more complicated than this, but I want to just try and highlight a few things here. We We came with a damaged soul for at least three reasons, We come with a damaged soul, number one, because of the sin in general, because of sin in general. We call that the fall. No matter what you did and no matter what happened in life, your soul is damaged because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that we came into this world in a fallen nature. Do you understand that? And this is where people in this world misunderstand. They don't quite get it right because they see us as as intrinsically good. And even even though there is a lot of goodness in us because that's God's gift to us, by nature we are fallen. And the Bible tells us this. God reminds us of this, lest we become haughty and high-minded and proud and think ourselves in no need of God. But we come with a damaged soul because of sin in general, the fall we call it, sin in general. So if if you want to think of yourself really proud, it's very simple. you just got to remind yourself you're a sinner. Before the eyes of God, you have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and no goodness you can do and no good works you can do, no matter how hard you try and be the best person possible and, and give your money to as much poor people as possible, even burn your body, for someone else, it's not going to do you any good for the, for the eternal life. Until you come to a place of humility that says, wow, nothing I can do to can reach the righteousness and the holiness of God. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash me as white as snow. Amen? And that's why God says, though your sins be so red as crimson, come, let's, let's, let's negotiate, let's reason together though your sins have made you so red like crimson and it's marred you, it's affected you, it's like a big blot on you. has come, I'll make you as white as snow. I'll wash it clean as far as the east is from the west. I'll, I will wash it so nobody can remember all the guilt and shame in your life. Come to me. And if someone wants to point one day and say, oh, but you remember you did this, you and your heart can say, nothing but the blood of Jesus. That sin has been washed away. And though you bring it up, God's forgotten it. And so we come with a damaged soul because sin in general, we are fallen. But we come with a damaged soul also because of the sin we've done. It's slightly different because because it's... It's not um, rocket science to think. Well, everybody, depending how long they've lived, have have committed different types of sin and different degrees of sin. And though all sin will be judged, there are definitely degrees of the impact that sin has. And if we've grown up as non-Christians and we've gone off into certain uh, lifestyles that have uh, we are we are incredibly ashamed of now, then for sure we come to faith with a soul that is damaged in a way unlike someone else who has not tasted or touched these areas. That's just common sense. And if you've done things in your past that you would want no one to know about, and that's okay, you don't have to go and share with everyone. And your soul is damaged particularly because of the sins you've done in the past that you were embarrassed even to think about, that even to you the Bible says, he restores my soul. Amen. That today you stand clean, washed, justified in Christ. That today, again, there's no reference and memory of this sin that you committed and the way you acted and the things you got involved in and the areas you played in. There's no reference to this in the kingdom of God. The slate is clean. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus. So we come with a damaged soul because because sometimes well, often the sin we've done. But the third reason is not just the sin in general and the sin we've done, but often we come to faith with a damaged soul sometimes because of the sin done to us. This is a hard one because this is varying degrees again, depending on how young you are, how old you are, what happened, Uh, what didn't happen, uh, uh, the environment you lived in, the people that that brought you up, the people you made contact with, the relationships you had, whatever it is, a whole range of things. But we come to faith with a soul that is sometimes damaged, not, yes, because of sin in general, but not necessarily the sin we did, but the sin done toward us. And people come to faith with a lot of pain and a lot of anxiety and a lot of hurt and a lot of heartache and their hearts are broken because of things, and their relationships are marred because of things, and there's difficulties in relating to people and having conversations and dealing with conflict and all that sort of stuff because of the sin done toward them. And the amount of people I've spoken to that are still hurting today because of the sin of the past, and yet to you even the Bible says, he restores my soul. To you he even says, come as you are and I will teach you and I will show you how to love. Come as you are and experience my love. Come as you are and let my word of truth wash over you. Come as you are and renew your mind. Come as you are and be not conformed to this world. Come as you are and allow me to retrain and rebuild. The Bible calls it sanctify. Let me come and let me sanctify you. And allow me to make your life nothing but the life of Jesus so that when you couldn't in the past love freely and and, and fully that today, today I'm going to make you like this because he restores my soul. And that you will be able to do not what people think you should do, but do what Christ is asking you to do, nothing more and nothing less. Don't copy what people refer to as best relationships. Don't copy what people refer to as the strongest personalities and characters. No, just copy the life of Christ, because even if sin has been done to you and you feel damaged and hurt and regretful and even spiteful and bitter, come, he restores your soul and he will wash away the spitefulness, the bitterness, and he will wash away all the all, all the unforgiveness. He will wash away as you come and as you trust him. Because God's promise to you is that he restores my Soul, and if you've known me long enough, you'll know that I often refer to the Humpty Dumpty lie in these areas. Um, if you're too old to remember, I'm sure a lot of you remember Humpty Dumpty. Maybe if you, te- I don't know if they're, they're still teaching Humpty Dumpty today in class. I'm not sure. But poor old Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall, didn't he? And all the king's horses and all the king's men, what couldn't they do? They couldn't put him back together again. Poor Hamtick, what's he going to do? He's left a broken man. But that's all the king's horses and the king's men can do. That's all this world may be able to offer you. But we don't believe this lie in the kingdom of God. God takes a damaged soul. He takes a damaged soul. And he says, we say, he restores my soul. doesn't make everything perfect, everything around me, doesn't change people necessarily, but it restores my soul. And this is the promise that the Lord gives us, because this is the promise of the soul that the Lord is most concerned. Uh, this is the part of us that the Lord is most concerned about. Let me let me just touch on a couple of little things about the soul. We know that it's the part of you I told you it's the part of you that shapes you. Yeah, and that's what God is. That's why God is 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 um wanting to restore it because it's the part of us that shapes us, that makes us, that strengthens us. But though the outward is perishing, as I said, the inward is being renewed. It's that kind of thing. And what people do is they try and find rest by other things, but they can't. So while hobbies are great, brothers and sisters, and you'll have hobbies and that's fantastic, I've got hobbies and I enjoy them, while hobbies are great, fantastic. And why holidays are great. I enjoy holidays when we can. You enjoy holidays, I'm sure. Why hobbies and holidays are great. They're never a substitute for a restless soul. You know that, don't you? And why you can be having the time of your life doing your hobby. And why you can be having the time of your life on a holiday. The restless soul is only restored by faith in Christ. And if you look to a hobby or to a holiday or something like that to find rest for your soul, you're going to be a miserable person. Go off and enjoy them for what they are. Enjoy them for the season they're allowed to be enjoyed for. Go and enjoy them. But a restless soul, you must come to the Lord. He restores my soul. The green pastures of life and the still waters of life come in Christ. It's like it's like having someone difficult at work. And, and how many times have you been tempted to think, oh, this person, i work with this person, they are just so difficult, and and, and they get to you and they get under your skin and, and they just seem to be always irritating you and they always seem to annoy you. And you always seem to yourself, find yourself thinking and saying things that you regret. You think, you know, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with this person. I'm leaving. I'm going to another job. I need to find that somewhere down the track God allows a person of very similar nature, of very similar characteristic to come and work with you again. Why? Because a restless soul doesn't run. A restless soul cannot run because at the end of the day, God is concerned for your soul and and if you don't deal with it here, He wants you to deal with it there, because he wants your soul to be at rest, despite who you're working with. And I'm not saying don't leave your work, because sometimes we're called to leave for different reasons. But if you're running, this I'm just making work could be anything. But if you're running, don't be surprised at some point down your life if you don't solve it and resolve it, another like person is going to come your way. The psalmist says confidently, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Let's uh, let's look at uh, number six. So restoration is five. Number six is direction. Direction. He says he leads me. He leads me. He leads me, and he goes on to talk about what he leads me in, and I'm going to keep this just nice and short. When the the psalmist says he leads me, there is this confidence in the psalmist that God is a bit like he makes me. There's a confidence in the psalmist that God is going to uh, guide the path. And the only point I want to make here, brothers and sisters, is I don't know about you but I don't really want to navigate my own life I don't want God to say to me Barry that's it now I'm gonna just I'm gonna just take my hands off for a few years um, you go and do what you want to do I'll come back in a few years time we'll check in on you and see how things are going I don't know about you but I don't really want that some of you might think, but well, that sounds like weakness. Mm. I don't think so. I think it's pretty wise. It's not weakness, brothers and sisters. It's actually life-saving. Because when I understand, listen carefully, when we understand what we are capable of, forget what you look like and what you've done and how people see you and how much they might applaud you. When we see how capable we are of going astray. And we understand the depth of our fallenness, the capability of it, not what we're doing, but the capability of that. Then, brothers and sisters, believe me, or if not more importantly, believe the scriptures, we would never want to navigate our own life and be left on our own to do whatever we want to And while God does say, go, make decisions, make choices, don't overcomplicate things, go and make the choices and the desires of your heart, we know along all those things, the reason why there is an element of peace in making decisions and peace in making choices is because we know he leads us. You know, um Sometimes people want to ask questions along the lines of, oh, how do I make a decision for this and how do I make a decision for that? How do I know if this is the right decision? And, and I kind of enjoy having those conversations with people because decision-making is really hard for Christians sometimes. For sometimes, and I know in my life for a long time, it was, it was something that I found really difficult and really complicated. And it's not that I've got it all perfectly worked out now. But boy, it's a lot easier than what it used to be. But decision-making can be really hard because we want to do the will of God. We want to make the right decision. We don't want to go outside God's will. And we overthink things so much that we forget that God's just saying, choose, choose what you want. Because unless, unless it goes against the scripture, there's really no other guide than to go with the things, well, we've been prayerful, we've been thoughtful, and we go, we make decisions. But listen, listen. We are at peace because we know he leads us. We are at peace because we know that if He has seen, because we're walking in faith here, yeah? we're walking. We're not walking out of a selfish heart. We're not doing something out of greed. We're not doing something out of stubbornness. We're not doing something out of pride. We're doing it in humility and in love for God, as much as we know, and love for man. And we're led, and we're making decisions. We know because God is faithful. If this is not the direction we should go, He would lead us in the direction we will go. Because I'm not God. I'm not God to make this, I'm not God, to know everything of the future. So the psalmist is, is um, um, saying, he leads me, he leads me. And and this, for me, brothers and sisters, is certainly not a, a weak thing. I guess what I've come to uh, realise that it's quite a, uh, a liberating, where we know... The hand of God in our lives is constantly there leading because we trust him. We put our faith in him. We walk humbly with him. We listen carefully to um, the the requirements of the Lord to do justly, to love mercy and and to walk humbly with our God. We, We set our hearts daily to have it fixed upon the Lord. We learn that trusting God isn't meaning everything is going to look and feel right at that time. But we know He's our Shepherd. And we know that if we are, are, are in love with the Shepherd, we know relationship, provision, promise, peace, restoration, direction is ours. Brothers and sisters, I, I really, I really pray as, as we'll, we'll continue next week I really pray that uh, what what you take from today is what the Lord speaks to you about don't worry don't worry if you don't remember everything it's okay don't worry if you if you forget little details here and there but ask the Lord Lord this this area this thing this word this particular phrase this sentence this idea, that you spoke to me me about this morning. Lord, let it dwell in my heart. Let it change my life. Let it become for me my rest and my salvation. Not Barry's words, God forbid, but the word of God and by the spirit of God. Allow yourself, even as we pray this morning, and ask the Lord, Lord, what is it? Tell me, what, what must I know from this morning? Here's another way of looking at it. What must I even know from this morning, even in the things of the introduction of this morning, even the things relating to fathers, even the, let's go back even a step, even the worship that we heard this morning. What is it, Lord, that you spoke to me about? What is it, Lord, that I must keep in my heart? And I pray this morning that you may um, uh, hold on to this by faith and trust that God is working and that he's a faithful shepherd. Brothers and sisters, during the week, if you've got questions about the message, if you've got questions about what's going on around us, I encourage you to reach out. No one in this church ought to feel like they're on their own and reach out in a text message, in a phone call, I'm really thankful for many of you who are very patient. Sometimes you'll text me or sometimes you'll call me and I can't answer or I can't respond straight away. Working full-time makes that difficult. But I thank you for your encouragement and I thank you for your patience that when I get to, so when I can get back to you. But I encourage you always to do that, always to ring, always to text, not just myself, anyone else in the church, but i love to hear from you as well. If you've got questions about what you hear or questions about what's what's going on around us, or even about the church, please, always feel free to reach out. An opportunity to have fellowship with you, an opportunity to share with you, an opportunity even to hear from you. That would be encouraging and, most importantly, it's something that, as a church, uh, is important that we continue to fellowship. Don't feel you are alone. Let me pray for us this morning, brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord's blessing um, upon his upon his word and and upon our lives. Father in heaven, I want to thank you, Lord, for today. I want to thank you for being the one true God, the God who never changes. You say in your word, Lord, that you are God and you change not. The God who never lies, the God who comes and leads us and guides us and directs us to a place of peace and restores us. I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would find restoration in you, peace in you, and confidence in your leading in their lives. You are good God, and I thank you for that. Maybe we continue our fellowship together, whether it be today or other other times and other studies during the week and on the phone or going for walks or whatever it might be, Father. I pray that you continue to build this church, guide us and lead us and guard us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.